Hello, everyone. Once again, we have a major change to the student loan world, and I am joined by my good buddy Jeff, and we're going to break it down for you. There's been a few changes. I think once again could have major impacts to to what you're doing with your student loans, and so we're going to talk through some of those today. The changes that are coming out, but before we get into that, Jeff, thanks for joining us again. Oh, no problem, Daniel. Always excited to talk about student loans. Jeff is one of the one of those guys that like enjoys the student loan stuff. Like he gets into it. He's I think he does it in his spare time, even like maybe you know after hours, right, Jeff? It was an unexpected passion. Yeah, <laughs> you weren't a little kid, and you're like, hey, I'm gonna grow up and like be into student loans. No, when I thought I was gonna work on financial planning, I never in my life thought that student loan forgiveness would be something I'd be excited about. Well, if it, I think the way I justify it, because I'm kind of into it too, too myself, but the way I justify it is I was into strategy stuff mm -hmm. as a kid, like strategy games and, and student loans have gotten so complicated that they basically have become kind of like a strategy, very strategic game in some ways. So the strategy has changed slightly a little bit. The games are all, that's the thing that makes these so complicated. They keep tinkering with these student loan rules and stipulations. So let's talk about what all that, what all that is entailing. The announcement came out a few, I guess yesterday, as of when we're recording this, it was yesterday, right, Jeff? Yeah, I believe August 24th, 2022. Two days ago, August 24th. Yes. So first big change, COVID forbearance extended once again. When is it extended to Jeff? So this time, and again, they mentioned this is the final time. We'll see if that's true. But Didn't they say that we, last time. <laughs> I think they've said that at least twice now. So we'll see. But no, this is really the final. <laughs> but is it? Stay Man. tuned. But this time it has been extended to the end of the year. So 12-31-2022. And so that would mean that the first time payments are set to resume would be in January. And really, that's probably the biggest update for a lot of the families that, that people that listen to this is that it is pushed back payments another four months. Yep. Which is a home run if you're going for PSLF because they count and you're getting a few more months of not making payments. Hopefully you're not getting used to spending that money. If you are, think about how you're going to get out of that. You know, we don't, I did a show on COVID life, COVID forbearance, lifestyle creep or something like that, but that's for real. And I've, you know, we're all tempted when we have disposable income to get used to spending it. So it appears that may be ending soon. So you really need to be making a plan for like how you're going to start making payments again in it. And it will at minimum be aware of like what that payment's going to actually be, but, but definitely what's the plan, how are you going to, you know, make those payments. Yeah. So two tips, I guess, that go along with that would be that the payments, as far as they're scheduled to resume, will be the pre-forbearance payments at this time, unless you've recertified income in between when payments were frozen initially and now. So that's a, a good thing to note there that you can, I mean, you may be a lower payment that you would have ever expected that will kick in. Find now, that. How do you check that? So it has been a little bit tough to do that by going to your servicer. The the easiest way to do that right now is to actually go to studentaid.gov and download your aid data there. Mm, uh, which, the old NSLDS. The old NSLDS file. Mm. If you like speaking in a foreign language, and that's student loanies for my student data. 
Well, you can, if you work with us, you can send it to us and we'll tell you. But if you're looking at this yourself, the way we do it is the way I do it is I just search like for payment, word payment or something like that. And it'll just scan through that document and you total up all the payments for the open loans. And that, you know, is your, you know, well, assuming the data is correct, I'm always hesitant with student loans, but that theory is what the payment is that they have on record for you for your monthly payment. Right. So that, that would be probably the easiest way to just search. It's an ugly file. If you've never opened it, it opens mm-hmm. on the word pad or the equivalent of what might Apple on an Apple, what might open on an app. So yeah, searching for that kind of payment, the way to find that, and it'll be for each loan. So you might have to total those up. But the so good next, news is you get four more months, four months. of no payments. And that's nice. Number two on that is recertification dates. I would still pay attention to that. That may change again, but in that same file, if you search for IDR, there'll be anniversary as a, one of those searches that will have when you are scheduled to recertify income again, if you need to. Um, but every time we've had an extension now that has been pushed back. So the earliest anyone's required to recertify right now is March of 2023, but that very well could be extended to. I keep hearing people we work with one-on-one say stuff like they're getting info about recertifying income. And I think that's happened occasionally during COVID forbearance. Like they've mm-hmm. maybe part of that is like the timing has been just unclear. And these servicers are like, oh, now you do need to recertify income. Oh, now you don't need to. Now you do. So people have inevitably recertified over the period of this COVID forbearance whether they were required to or not. So like you, if you've already done that, it is what it is, you know, the past, you can't do anything about it. But in the future from now until whenever your next date is, before you just go off an email you think is requiring you to recertify, I would suggest like doing what Jeff was just talking about and look at your date on there, like verify that it is actually required because if, you know, go on an email that's not worded like it might say we encourage people to recertify income to get ahead of everything or something like that that's not very firm language and by recertifying that can cost you a ton of added money especially if you're like going into practice your income's jumped up so definitely be aware of that yeah, very good. Yeah, so I think those are two things to take away there would be you can find your payment and you can find when you're required to recertify there with the caveat. It may get pushed back a little further yet. So, Yes, <laughs> even though it's the last and final extension. Okay, second big one, the forgiveness is being promised. The widespread, well, means-tested, income-tested forgiveness. I guess it's... What is it, Jeff? Ten to twenty thousand, right? Yeah, I think this is the one that gets most of the headlines right now and most of the reactions. But yeah, ten thousand dollars, kind of blanket forgiveness. Twenty thousand dollars if you had a Pell grant taken out when you were, or not taken out, but granted to you while you were taking out loans in, in undergrad. There, it's like a need base, thing, right? right? Yeah. And so there are a couple key items there, right? There's an income limit. And then there'll be, a, how do you apply for this? And some of those are still details that'll be hashed out. But what is that income limit, Daniel? It is married makes below 125. Wait, sorry. I'm getting that backwards. 125 for individuals, 
or below, and then two hundred and fifty thousand for couples. Right, and, I guess and that's what? above that. You're out on this. Yeah, there's no phase in or phase out on this. Or at least from what it looks like here, it's just not there. It's just a means test. Right, which is interesting for tax planning purposes. Us like geeky planners, we're like, normally they don't do it that way because it creates this like ridiculous incentive if you're right on that bubble to do something potentially crazy to get below it. <laughs> so imagine you're, imagine you're, I don't know how they're going to test. Do you know how they're going to test it yet, Jeff? Those are still details that are going to be coming out. They said if you mm -hmm. have been recertifying your income and they have your data that they will use that. And so if you, if that, you know, if that, if that qualifies you on its own, then hopefully it'll just be plain automatic, but it says that there will be an application coming out by the time payments resume. So, well, yeah, I anything. imagine if I had to guess how they're going to do it, and this is just based on how they've done other things, I would bet that they're going to use prior tax returns. That's how they did all those child tax credits. And that's how they've done all this income verification for student loans is they just use recent tax returns typically. So be hopefully they put that out before the end of the calendar year, 2022. If I had to make a prediction, they're going to say something like, uh, you know, 20, maybe it comes out and, you know, later in the year and they're like, you can use your most recent tax return and you have to do it by some deadline. So let's say the deadline is like March of 2023 that you have to file for all this. They're going to have to give you some time. And if that announcement comes out before the end of the calendar year, which is entirely possible, there's could be this situation where it's like, you're expecting if you're married, your household income to be like, 255 you're on track for 255 and so if nothing if you don't do anything about it you're gonna miss up to twenty thousand dollars straight up so that's when it's like that's what i was saying about crazy planning strategies it's like get a stinking credit card to max out your 401k if you don't have the money <laughs> not that you should do that but like you, if you put 5,000 into some sort of pre-tax investment through work and pull your income down to 250 or less, that potentially is going to get you $20,000. So it's can create this like insanely unique tax situation. So be watching out for it. We'll watch out for it too. Look out for how that, how they're going to define income. Cause that's a big deal. And when, and especially when they have these very unfazed like just hard line income qualifiers because you're gonna you know ideally you're gonna be below that what about forgiveness i mean pslf not forgiveness this is forgiveness but like this is gonna i guess if you're going for pslf this is not a, not that big of a deal right right yeah if you're going for pslf so that you know the 10-year route ultimately this isn't going to make a difference for you overall because the payments will still kick in when payments kick in yeah you're going to pay the same amount overall on the student loans before they're forgiven so it, not a major deal there but you know just in case i mean if you qualify for it you may as well have it forgiven because you never know maybe you switch jobs maybe you leave pslf but yeah i feel for those of you listening that refinanced your loans a couple of weeks ago and might have qualified for this. That just sucks because refinance 
probably makes sense. That's been the most frustrating thing about all these student loan things is they, in some cases, are penalizing people that are, you know, with all the information you have might be a reasonable decision. So there's a lot of people that will have had federal loans that refinance to private because, you know, that probably made a lot of sense and they just wanted to pay the things off, but they're getting penalized for being proactive with wanting to pay their loans off. Right. Yeah. And we had a brief conversation about this where policy wise, we're not sure if this is a great move or not. It has pros, it has cons, but from a numbers perspective, we're just looking at how do we make the most out of the options that we have on the table? Yeah. For you individually, like we're going to look out for you to be like, let's see how we can maximize this benefit. Mm -hmm. And that's the focus today. Now, you know, like I said, if you have private loans, you're kind of like out on all this stuff. That's, that's, is what it is. But if you're still in the federal system, you're entirely eligible for this. And it's just a matter of what you qualify for, or if you're above that threshold or not income wise, what's the difference in the 20 versus 10, Jeff? Oh, good questions. Yeah, you could have up to twenty thousand, and that would be if you had a if you received a Pell Grant, if you were the okay, recipient yeah, of that. You said that. And you can find that as well. So <laughs> I feel like I went to studentaid.gov earlier this week. It just gave me like a you're in a waiting line message because it was so exciting for a lot of people that it just crashed their site. Um, <laughs> but on studentaid.gov, one of the very first screens that you'll see there has a breakdown of your loans and grants. And it'll tell you right there really quickly if you had a Pell Grant that you were a recipient of. You know what? I think I had a Pell Grant in undergrad. Does that mean I'm going to get some money? Well, that depends on if you have loans and how you file your taxes. I've long ago paid off my loans. Oh, you were on the outside looking in. Man, I shouldn't have paid. Just kidding. I still feel good about paying off my loans despite this. I think that's a good point too, is that this is a benefit to those that it applies to, but it's not going to make or break most situations, you know, from where we're at. It's a, an optimizer maybe rather than something that determines success overall. Yep. One other piece on that. If you think you might benefit from that forgiveness amount, you can actually put yourself on a, an email list on the from studentaid.gov. There's a link there to be notified when that application is available. Maybe you have the federal loans and you haven't been doing anything income-driven in the past. And it's just, so you've never certified income there, but you want to be I, you know, notified when that happens. That might apply if you've you know, recently or you know, you've been in residency or in training for a little while recently and have just transitioned, then it might apply. And you're planning to refinance loans or something like that. But you can be notified by going to studentaid.gov there and signing up for their email notification. Yeah. And this is not going to be taxed, right? No, I think uh, it was back at the beginning of oh, yeah, that's Biden-Harris right. presidency that they had passed a law that until I think 2025, any loan forgiveness is not taxable. So, it's like they always had this planned. It's like, yeah, it's like there's a plan. Well, I mean, Come he on, did say it. He did campaign on that. So yeah, I know. Not like this is a big Got surprise. Give, I mean, uh, he stuck to the promise. So, you know, that part of it is good. But yeah, so tax not should not be taxed federally. I have heard some people that think that this is going to be challenged big time in court. Because here's the theory. And I, I don't know how much of this is like mm -hmm. legit or not. I'm just kind of going off like rumblings. But... The thought is like, 
if he, the president, can forgive with his signature 10,000, well, what makes that, that, that would mean that would, you could assume that would mean he could forgive everything, right? So there's 10,000, 20,000, where's the line drawn on what his power is in terms of forgiving loans potentially could be unlimited, even if it's not Biden, future presidents. So it's a pretty big deal to, I think, um, and this is the argument I'm going off of. It's a, people think it's a pretty big deal to allow that the president to have the power to do that. And so whether you believe in it or not, it's the one individual doing it. And so the thought is that because of that, people are going to go hardcore legally to try to fight it, to not allow it if they disagree with it. Is that accurate, Jeff? I would not be surprised at all to see it challenged, like you said. And I think that's, I mean, from a broad picture, that's a legitimate concern, right? As if it has long lasting impact there. The argument that they're making is that this applies specifically under the HEROES Act from 2003, I believe is when it was. And so it does apply kind of to a national emergency. So hopefully it's not oh, yeah. quite as broad reaching as anytime I want to sign something, I can forgive and, them. And that's why they keep saying it's about the pandemic and due to your financial hardships. It's like, <laughs> I laugh about it because I mean, it's the people, at least I know some people are struggling with it and that's one thing, but the people that we're working with and probably most of you listening are not struggling financially and probably the majority of people getting this are not struggling financially. You're educated people. If you have a lot of student loans, you're educated people and you're probably working and making a good living. And so it's just interesting that they use language like that. And I guess it makes sense because they want to make sure legally that it does tie back to that Heroes Act and qualifies as a national emergency. But yeah, the, I think the argument there is that the Department of Education through the president has the has a lot of broad authority over student loans. So yeah, well, that's the argument okay. you made. Yeah, that's all. So hopefully this sticks as is. I just wanted to mention that is there's a lot of people that think that especially this forgiveness aspect is going to get challenged. So we'll have to see how that shakes out. I have no idea how that. I'm getting a out. crystal ball reading though, Daniel. What's the crystal ball say? I don't make many predictions, but that type of a challenge would be big. Like, I don't think this is the last extension. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're, you're making a prediction that the COVID forbearance gets extended? I, especially if there's a legal challenge to this portion of the forgiveness, uh, I believe that would potentially lead to, well, we need an extension until this is sorted out. Oh my goodness. So stay tuned. Yeah. Um, well, never stop changing, but yeah. Don't count on our predictions. Yes. You know, we're not great at making these predictions. I was the guy that was like, no way they're extending it again <laughs> in the very beginning. So here we are. Yeah, that's okay. a cracked crystal ball, by the way. It doesn't work all the time. It's only yeah. right about 50%. So at best. Yeah. All right. So that's the second big thing. What's the third big thing? Income driven payments changing. Uh, those first two are probably the most applicable to to our, you know, the families that we're talking to right now. But yeah, new IDR plan. They announced the intent to implement one, a new income driven repayment plan that uh most of these plans, well, there's a whole lot of them, but the most common ones cap 
payments at 10% of your discretionary income. And that's a fun, like, let's just speak another language when we're talking about that, right? But 10% of income, this one would be 5% of income, but it only applies to undergraduate loans. So there's potential there for a better payment system or a better outcome if we're looking at paying on student loans as a whole. But that's kind of the very broad summary of it. What else do you have on that, Daniel? There, there are yeah, it's, pieces to it. <clears throat> well, I don't know. I don't know if we should go too far into it because it's like they're putting it out as like a proposal. I think right. they still are going to have like some public input. They're opening it for public comment, and which means it's like completely not set in stone. But they the fact that they announced it is pretty substantial like in that they're all in on making it happen and it could be big i don't know how the it all depends on the details like it could affect a lot of people if they're gonna like let you still qualify especially pslf i mean if you're gonna be able if it qualifies for pslf and you had a fair amount of undergraduate loans i could see that being pretty impactful because your payment is going to get pulled down a fair amount but i don't know the details so We'll just have to see how they play out, right? Right. So it, it looks like that'll be a more favorable option, especially for undergrad-only loans overall. They said it'll weight the graduate loans with the undergrad loans at the 5 and 10%, or 5 and, I guess, whatever else percentage you have on your other loans would be. But that'll be one to stay tuned on, but probably not a major impact to the majority of them of our audience here that has larger graduate school loans. What about the last one, the PSLF waiver and the IDR waiver? Um, yeah, the, this is kind of gray too, right? Yeah, the last one was all, it's almost like a little afterthought that's kind of tucked in at the end of this press release. And it doesn't say it explicitly here about we want to extend the PSLF waiver. But can you remind us, what is the PSLF waiver, first of all? Well, you all can check out the episode where we talk about it and we will link to that in the show notes, but like the big components of it were that they allowed you for PSLF, especially they allow you to, to count payments made on FFEL loans, which used to not qualify for PSLF. And that's a huge deal for people that had loans, you know, going back quite a while, like, especially like before 2010, there was a lot of FFEL loans. And so the waiver allows you to now qualify those payments. And it also allows you to qualify for any payment types. And then it also had a forbearance thing. So like there was a lot of excessive forbearance or what do they call it? Forbearance steering was the word they used. There was the servicers were pushing everybody into forbearance. I, that was completely happening. It was true, but they have some, you know, parameters where you potentially get all those payments counted towards PSLF as well. So it was basically a much, much more generous PSLF payment counting changes that allowed some of these unique exclusions or even just non-qualified prior to, to start to count. So we have seen a lot of people we work with benefit from the PSLF waiver. For example, like somebody that went all through training and for, did forbearance the entire time because the servicers, like I said, were giving that out like candy. They were encouraging people to do it. And so say you had a five-year training, all forbearance, zero payments made. You get done, you're like, oh no, I'm working for the hospital. I missed out on five years of PSLF. But then this waiver pops out and it's like, boom, all of it qualifies. Now you have five years under your belt. 
which is huge, like massive benefit. And so there's a lot of application where that, or you had the FFEL loans and you were making payments and you didn't qualify. So that's what the PSLF waiver is. There's a, a few more other components that I'm not hitting on, but you can check out that episode and we'll dig into it. Yeah. And again, that's an intent to make long-term changes. That's not an announcement of this has actually happened. And really the focus of that, like Daniel said, looks like it'll be on the payments overall to include if you made a late payment or the lump sums that got all applied at once. If you've ever heard a story like that, um, but just applying partial late payments and some of those forbearances and deferments, especially like military service, accounting, things like that. I'd expect that to be what they want to make permanent potentially. Yeah. I would not that this last thing about the waiver, I would pretend like it wasn't even in there, honestly, and just pretend like you have to get everything done by October 31st in relation to the original waiver we talked about and pretend like nothing's going to change just because this is super, I don't even know why they put it in there. I mean, I guess they're trying to like get people excited about even better future changes but it's very unclear. Right. So that those are intent. That one is an intent. And really the IDR plan is also yeah. planned change, but not no details there ironed out really. So. Yep. Yep. All right. Well, other things on that last part of the equation or just thoughts in general or nuggets we can share in relation to all this. I think really big takeaways here, big things that you can do if you are, looking to get loans kind of tidied up before that. So October 31st, 2022, Halloween is the deadline for a lot of the kind of really generous changes to be submitted. So if you have not submitted employer certification, I like, so if you've worked at a nonprofit and haven't submitted that, I would get that in ahead of that time, just so that those payments are being counted and being a little bit more lenient. The best way to do that from an acceptance point has been to use, they call it the PSLF help tool. So if you go to studentaid.gov slash PSLF, um, that will actually provide you a tool that helps to pre-fill some of those forms that you used to have to do by hand. You still have to print it out. You still have to send it in, but at least it has the exact information that's in the database for some of those employers. And, and you also need to do direct consolidation, right? If you had FFEL loans. And if you had FFEL loans and you're trying to, or loans that had separate payment accounts, sometimes we do see where one loan had 97 payments and another one had 52. If you consolidate those loans by October 31st or submit that consolidation by October 31st, um, the longer payment count. So all those payments get applied to whatever program you're looking to apply for forgiveness. Yep. And if you're not sure if you're qualifying for that waiver, like be sure because <laughs> it's impactful enough to potentially game change your finances. So if you're like, I don't know if I qualify for the PSL, like don't be there before, mm-hmm. like if it, we're in the final stretch. So be sure whether or not you're going to benefit from it. And if you are potentially going to benefit from it, do those things Jeff just talked about like today, like it's the last minute basically. Other nuggets or takeaways there, Jeff? Those are the big ones. Payments have been paused until the end of the year. Once again, yep. 
possible 10,000 or 20,000 forgiveness and then a bunch What are we going to do about yeah, I guess we're going to wait and see if they extend it again and wait and see it's always like we get in this wait and see thing. That's my biggest as a planner frustration about the student loan thing. It's like this wait and see thing. So we're going to wait and see how the pause plays out. Does it actually get extended again? We can't count on their word because they've broken it multiple times in saying that they were, this was the final one, but it wasn't the white, the student loan forgiveness. We're going to have to wait and see how they like define all those parameters. Like nobody knows exactly how they're going to define income or what the deadlines are going to be. So, I mean, it is substantial enough to where if you have private loans, I mean, sorry, federal loans, I would not refinance them right now, <laughs> you know, like wait and see how this thing, or I would not pay them off right now. Right. I would wait and see how this shakes out, but we'll wait and see and hopefully get a better idea of this soon. And maybe the best tidbit came from you, Daniel, there was if you've been spending the payments you would have been paying on student loans, start paying yourself those payments now, even if payments never resume, mm -hmm. happy you did, right? Like that'll be money right. in your pocket that you can build a better life with. Right. Yes. Don't spend the student loan dollars. Start saving if you them now. Get if ready. You take away, if you take away anything, don't spend those COVID forbearance student loan dollars. Get those, keep those dollars in your pocket. Yep. All right. Well, it has been a pleasure to talk about student loans again. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, if you're a client of ours and you're still sticking around, kudos to you, but you can always shoot us stuff like this and we can help kind of digest this type of stuff. And if you're, you know, if you're just listening in and you're not working with us, feel free to throw out questions on specifics and that sort of stuff. We can always dig in and help in that regard. So I always enjoy talking to student loans, especially with my buddy, Jeff. We could geek out about this for hours and hours, but appreciate you coming on, Jeff. My pleasure. Let's do it again soon. All right. We'll see you. We'll talk when we know what's actually going to happen <laughs> with student loans, if that ever occurs, or we'll talk when they change things again, which is more likely to happen. It's your strategy game, Daniel. The rules right. will change and we'll update our strategy too. I guess it wouldn't be strategy if it wasn't changing and if it was super simple. So it's always fun. All right. Well, happy planning, Daniel. All right. You too.